All right, bonus round. Let's talk about the economy system you have in your game, Chai. This really awesome reverse Tetris, Candy Crush kind of thing where you've got different zones that are you know cost different amounts of money, and then you've got different tiles that if they're touching, it's the same color. You can take all of them, and then whatever you know farthest to the right is how much money you pay. It's super interesting. Like I really like it. I'm I'm gonna probably try to steal it and like change it and put it in a football game or something. That's just kind of how my brain works. Like how can I make this a sports game? <laughs> and so, but tell me about like how this thing works and first of all make sure like did i get it correct like, in the way it works and but then like tell me kind of how you figured it out and the design structures and that kind of thing yeah so it's a three by six board that little square tiles will um fulfill and go along the track from the right hand side so the first column of three would be one dollar or a copper next two columns of three would be a silver or two dollars last three columns are gold for three and Whenever something touches orthogonally, so horizontally, vertically, you can buy it for the same price. So let's say you have the first column um, being $1 filled with three berries. You can pick up all three for a dollar. Everything from the two column onwards, they slide to the left and become cheaper. So people really enjoy just having the puzzly nature of it because you're wanting to buy as much as you want, but at the same time, money is victory points. So you're trying to be efficient in that regard. A lot of people don't realize that they're setting up the next player to have a cheaper purchase as well. So that kind of increases player interaction or engagement because they're shouting at each other like, oh, no, you know, John's going to get four mint for two dollars. Like, you can't let him do that. And yeah, there's a little bit of banter that goes on. We're not quite sure where it came from. I was just, I guess, in the shower and had, you know, one of those 20 minute hot water. Uh, hey, this is going to work kind of ideas. And yeah, really appreciated the response so far. We wanted it to be elegant, and we feel that it's that way at the moment. Yeah, so it's kind of got a bit of an Asul vibe, right? Same kind of thing of, of taking, you know, as many as you want of the same color, and then yeah. other thing, you know, the, and the rest of the tiles move around, so to speak. Uh, tell me about, like, as far like, how many resources do you have in your game? Because I feel like that would definitely affect the way the, the thing plays out. Right, there's six flavors that you can add to your tea, or uh, fresh ingredients. There's Mint, lavender, jasmine, berries, lemon, and ginger, I think. Yes. And then there's five pantry items, things that you would add to your tea. So uh, milk, masala spices, uh, sugar, honey, and I'm missing one. Milk. No, I said milk. Vanilla. Vanilla. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's two different economies, I guess, of sorts, plus the third one being money which is victory points. Yeah. Now, are all those ingredients on that track that moves around the tiles? Just the flavor tiles. Just yeah. the flavors. Okay, so the flavors are there. Did, did you try using eight, or did you try using four, and then six just kind of worked out the best as far as that system goes? We did, yeah. We looked at all the different teas. We had one playtester help with that, a, a good family friend. And he's like, you know, there's a good six that most people use. Um, there's bergamot as well, especially an Earl Grey that almost made the cut. Um, but we found the more flavors you would add, the less combinations that would appear. Right. And it would be less interesting with three or four. We actually tried to add those other five um, pantry items, you know, the milk, sugar, honey thing, into the track as well. So we had 11 ingredients going around, but you ended up not being able to get what you wanted. Um, track wasn't big enough. We ended up having a five by six track trying to throw in the ingredients. But yeah, the math wasn't working. The combinations wasn't happening so 
and all the combinations of tea are real teas. So that also put a little bit of limitation on, um, you know, designing how many ingredients go into each recipe as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now tell me about the economy of gaining the other ingredients that aren't on that track. Right. So the other one's sort of like Ticket to Ride, where you originally in our print and play, there was four cards or five cards face up, and you could just grab different groups of them. Um, again, going back to Azul, but we found that people wouldn't interact as much or put a lot of value into it. So we had to redesign it and make the cards into little circle pantry items just to make things a bit more immersive. And the issue we had was no one could explain those rules to us. Mm-hmm. We saw the harder Tetris bejeweled mechanism being difficult to grasp, even being easy, but at the same time, people couldn't figure out the pantry. I think um, we're playing with my parents, and my mom couldn't explain it, even though I had just done it. So we realized we had to change it altogether and just say, there's a pantry, take three items. If you want to blindly draw from the bag, you can do that, or restock the pantry for a buck. Yeah, super easy. Changed how the game went um, to be slightly less strategic, if we're honest, but altogether we've liked how, it, um, how the playtesters responded to it. Gotcha. And now is it the same as the, the track where you can draw like as many as you want, as long as it's the same, or you can just take as many different ones? Uh, same thing. You just get three from the pantry or from the bejeweled mechanism. You can buy as much as you want, given that you have money. Gotcha. No, I'm saying in the pantry though, like if I need milk, can I get a milk right. and a vanilla and like this other stuff, or does it all have to be the same? Ooh, totally. Right, right. Good call. Um, sometimes people superimpose the other market on top of yeah, the yeah, pantry. That's what I'm Right. So you can just take three of whatever you want. Okay. They don't have to be or the same. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, with it being a family game, you know, maybe taking away some of the strategy is, is probably a good thing, right? Because it's less things to think about. It's less yeah. things to like go, wait, I don't know how this works. And so, because, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not creating a two hour experience. You know, this is a, a 60 minute, you know, kind of light, loose, hang out, drink some chai, drink some coffee while you play, enjoy your family time together. And so I feel like making it just a little bit easier uh, to understand and to grasp is, is a great way to do it. And, and you make a good point. There's so many rules in games that designers should have cut because nobody can explain how it works. And there's been so many times in my own, like I've been trying to write a rule and like, I cannot figure out how to write this rule in the rule book. I can explain it. I can tell somebody how it works, but I can't do it yeah, yeah. in ri- like the written word. And so I've just had to cut that me- mechanism out of the game. And I wish more people would kind of go through that process of, of like the, the trial and error of someone explaining a game. And if they can't, you need to fix it. You need to change it. Exactly. Yeah. And we actually, so the third, um, area that you can go to yeah mechanism would be uh these reserving the cards and then being able to use ability cards but when we were designing the game we wanted to make sure that that part was uh optional in the sense of if you're playing with kids who are eight years old or beginner gamers you probably don't want to throw those in yet um it'll be super confusing and nobody will get it and have fun so this way, um, it gives that additional challenge for um, people who are looking for a little bit heavier of a game, um, but you can kind of customize based on who you're playing with. Yeah, very cool. Now, anything else about the design challenges or anything about this, this these economy systems that you kind of ran into? Like, oh, we need to fix this or change that? Yeah, I think balancing them was um, a bit harder than we thought. We found, well, there's just three main actions, as we've mentioned, going to the market, going to the pantry, or reserving a card and doing an ability. So we wanted to make all three of those equal value. 
So we have some, you know, Excel spreadsheets, just trying mm -hmm. to manage um, different feedback from people or um, the amount of times people would use one of those specific actions or their feelings towards things because you can balance the game perfectly. And yet if the perceived value is different, um, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If someone is like, I'm not reserving a card because it doesn't feel right. I'm like, well, mathematically the ability cards are worth 2.1 victory points or whatever. And they are equal. Like it, it won't matter to the whole experience. So I think it might've been from your podcast or another game design one where People mentioned your game doesn't have to be truly balanced yeah. to have things a little bit off kilter actually adds to um, what people want altogether. So yeah, most people they'll go to the market maybe 40% of the time, mm -hmm. pantry 30% of the time and reserve a card game ability 30% of the time. But that's due more to um, different barriers like people not understanding a certain ability card. So they're more comfortable doing a different action. Yeah, all these different things are a moving target, but we're still balancing as as it goes along. Um, we're tweaking a few cards because we found, for example, there's not enough berries in the Oolong cards. So if you're playing with that and there's tons in the market, then um, might slow the game down a bit. But at least things are tweakable quite easily. Yeah, Isaac Vega was actually on the show recently and talked about the perception of oh, balance. Yeah. And that's that's one thing. He's like, you know, you can balance a game and you can balance the fun right out of it. And it's not about balance, it's about fun. And so, you know, it's really what the players believe. And if they think it's balanced, then it's balanced. And it doesn't matter what the actual numbers, you know, turn out to be. So true. Well, awesome. Any other, you know, things to add as far as this system or any advice for somebody that's kind of working through, uh, for instance, if I was going to turn this into a, a football system, like, what would you, what would you say <laughs> as far as like creating, and maybe the best, maybe the, the real topic of this is using different economies in one game, right? Cause that's, that's really what you got going on. You have three different systems that are all working together and kind of mesh together for a really cool game. Like any other advice as far as like making that all work? Yeah. I would just say, you know, do what you enjoy. I'm probably a medium weight Euro gamer who dabbles with, you know, the Lisboa stuff, but also likes family games. Connie is more of a co-op pandemic family gamer. So I think you put together uh, what you enjoy and appreciate because you have the best appreciation or understanding um, you're making the game for yourself too, in a way. So yeah, I would continue looking around at, at games that you enjoy and their mechanisms. For example, we love Seven Wonders, but um, weren't a big fan of how you can only interact with people sitting mm -hmm. beside you. So in Chai, you can fulfill an order and pay a dollar to a player across the table for their little base tea leaf, stuff like that. So yeah, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, but um, yeah, just keep focusing on what you enjoy. And I think immersion and thematic games are definitely the way of the future. So mm -hmm. we've probably changed a few things in the game that might not make sense altogether from a, a design point. Like when you go to the, the uh, sorry, you go to the market, you get a few dollars. Um, that might be hard to understand at first, but just to make the market work and the game mostly balanced, like it has to be a reality in it. So yeah, try to figure out what, you value most in your game design, whether it's, um, you know, true strategic value or is immersion higher than that or player interaction. Um, yeah. Prioritize mechanisms. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dan, Connie, really, again, appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show and talking through these different ideas and, and sharing your insights and advice and uh, good luck with 
uh, your games. Good luck with Kickstarter and everything else you got going on right now. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Gabe, and congrats on your game as well. Mm-hmm. Super excited to play it. Oh, awesome. It's going to be a really cool month for both of us as we kind of figure out where, yeah. where our games and, and hopefully unlocking really cool stretch goal, goals and all that kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. Exactly. Totally. Hope we can meet in person down the road. Yeah, definitely.